ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Hey, what's going on? What's up? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me quote the words of Mr. Martin Payne. What's up? What's up? What up? Yeah, that's right. This is uh, the November 28, 2021 episode of the Boxing Source Radio Show. I am your host, James Webb, the leader of the Boxing Source on social media. You can catch us through instagram twitter facebook and also youtube uh we do have a lot of content for you to check out on the youtube channel so be sure to do that and be sure to subscribe if you have not done so already but we got a very busy uh show for you this time around as we are still 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 reacting to what happened last night as we had two great main events that we witnessed uh, there, uh, you know, that uh, we had the uh, first thing that was over there at the theater at Madison Square Garden and also over at Park MGM uh, with the unification bout that happened at 122 pounds. So we are going to get through those particular fights in depth, man. And uh, we would, you know, just want to see, uh, you know, how uh, people, you know, uh, thought about those uh, particular fights. So uh, we want to get right into it first with what happened over in the Hulu Theater at Madison Square Garden. It was the main event uh, that was there. It was the unified. That's right. The unified. Let me run that one more time. The unified lightweight championship bout uh, that happened there at the uh, Hulu Theater in Madison Square Garden as you had. Two undefeated fighters, Teofimo Lopez, coming in there with a record of 16-0. and 0, And you had George Cambosis Jr. coming in there with a record of 19-0. and 0. George Cambosis Jr. was the IBF mandatory challenger in the lightweight division after scoring his win over Lee Selby on October 31st of last year over in the UK Wembley Arena. And, of course, Teofimo Lopez, who defeated Vasyl Lomachenko last year by decision in order to win um, a few of those belts. He did come in there at that particular fight as the IBF lightweight champion after defeating Richard Comey uh, by a second-round knockout and then followed it up by getting that decision victory over Vasyl Lomachenko to become the unified lightweight champion. And so you had uh, this fight that had been set up since, <laughs> since what, the beginning of this year, pretty much. And then there was delay after delay after delay. And then you had, you know, something there where, you know, you had the purse bid 
and the purse bid was run by Triller at that particular time. And then, you know, they tried to have a fight. They didn't have a fight. It was supposed to be in June. Didn't happen. And then Triller eventually gave up, you know, trying to make the fight. And so it was Matchroom who was second in that purse bid. So they were able to hold the fight. They did make it happen. It happened last night. So here we are. Now, you had the thing with Teofimo Lopez. Of course, he come in there as a takeover. You know, he wanted to get things uh, there as trying to be the number one guy, the superstar and all types of stuff uh, when it came to the lightweight division. Uh, but he, you know, basically had this fight against George Cambosis that he had to take care of. And George Cambosis, you know, if you go all the way back to around that time frame uh, when George Cambosis fought Lee Selby, you know, I thought that was a very close fight that he had with Lee Selby. And I thought Lee Selby um, was able to do enough to get the uh, decision there, but that didn't necessarily happen. Uh, so, you know, what ended up happening with uh, George Cambosis uh, being the victor of that particular fight as the IBF mandatory, and you know what the IBF and Daryl people say. As long as we have a mandatory, if you are the IBF champion, you do have to fight your mandatory once we order it. So what we got here is George Kambosis, uh leading into this particular fight. Like he was showing that, you know, as exciting as uh, Teofimo Lopez was in a lot of his fights, you know, having those uh, knockout victories uh, that he had, uh, particularly uh, in those uh, bouts in December that followed the Heisman Trophy presentation that George Cambosis wasn't phased by Teofimo Lopez one bit. And so going into this particular fight, even though uh, you know we've had like a lot of predictions here and there as far as like with uh, Teofimo Lopez being highly favored, I highly favored Teofimo Lopez to uh, you know take care of business in this particular fight. Um, but George Cambosis uh, was just not, you know, listening to all of that. You know, uh, Lopez came in there as a 13 to 1 favorite, up to a 13 to 1 favorite, uh, you know, minus uh, what, 13 uh, plus 1300, whatever it was. And first round, you saw that Teofimo Lopez was pretty much coming in there trying to hurt George Cambosis. At least that's what I've seen. He was there with uh, bad intentions. He was there, you know, just swinging for the fences, trying to hit a, a home run, you know, pretty much as big as, you know, Jorge Soler uh, in that World Series with the Atlanta Braves against the you know, Houston Astros. He was trying to be like that, um, but didn't necessarily, uh, you know, happen like that there in those first couple of rounds there in the first, uh, you know, first round, I would say. And then George Cambosis just sat there, composed was there, you know, in and out of the pocket, stayed stationary, wasn't, you know, that much reacted to the punches initially that Teofimo Lopez was throwing. Um, and you just seen with Teofimo Lopez early uh, there in the first round that he was just trying to get or land one shot while every time that, you know, Lopez was trying to throw one shot, Cambosis was right there trying to, you know, get him back with the counter or like a combination for a counter. And then at the near, or I'd say at the, near the end of the first round, 
you saw when Teofimo Lopez was kind of like backing up a little bit and George Cambosis kind of came in there with almost like a little bit of a wide right hook and caught Teofimo Lopez uh, there to put Teofimo Lopez on the canvas. And I was like, oh, shit, it? Teofimo Lopez is down on the canvas. And, you know, we had, uh, you know, Lopez, uh, you know, taking a, a um, you know, uh, an eight count uh, there. So you already had right off the end of the first round, Teofimo Lopez was behind 10-8. Yeah, 10-8. We'll talk about that later. Um, and then Teofimo Lopez got up and then, you know, he pretty much tried to get back into the fight. Um, you know, in those second and third rounds, but you kind of like seeing more of him still trying to land the big right hand uh, there in those second and third rounds. You know, even though it didn't seem like George Cambosis wasn't doing as much uh, there in those rounds, he was still, you know, there uh, and up and right in front of him. You know, as Teofimo Lopez, it looked like Teofimo Lopez expected uh, George Cambosis to fold after uh, taking one of those right hands from Teofimo Lopez, but he didn't do that. And so that was generally the story for the majority of the fight. You had Teofimo Lopez just looking uh, for that one shot. Um, for me, I, I felt like he had a bad, very bad stance there against George Cambosis, having his, uh, you know, his uh, right hand, or I, I mean, not his right hand, but his left hand down very low in this particular case. So that even if, you know, you had Teofimo Lopez not throwing, George Cambosis was open to throwing a left-right combination. And, you know, Teofimo Lopez was slow to react to that. So time after time after time, you saw George Cambosis pretty much throwing the one-two combination and landing the right hand on a lot of occasions uh, there while on the flip side where you saw Teofimo Lopez still looking for that right hand and trying to get and connect with that right hand on occasion, George Cambosis answered every time that Teofimo Lopez was throwing that right hand. Like I said, Teofimo Lopez was expecting George Cambosis to be seriously hurt by the right hand that was thrown by him, and George Cambosis was right there, right back at it, throwing punches back, and saying, hey, I'm here to fight. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not here just to show up here. I'm here to fight. And so you had a majority of this, uh, those middle rounds where George Cambosis was outworking Teofimo Lopez, doing more shots, landing that right hand because of Teofimo Lopez's, uh, you know, stance to guard, not really being up. And every time, like I said, every time that, you know, Teofimo Lopez was able to land a power shot. George Cambosis got it right back. And so for me, you just saw George Cambosis start racking up round after round after round after round. And I mean, that that kind of like was a, a very, uh, you know, simple fight to score for me at the particular time. It was a very simple fight to score to me because you didn't really see much going out of Teofimo Lopez until about the eighth or ninth round where you saw him throw a, a few more jabs than he was in those previous rounds. And not only that, you didn't really see 
Teofimo Lopez tried to set up traps for that right hand until around the eighth and ninth round where he threw the jabs, you know, upstairs and then particularly downstairs to the body, throwing left hooks to the body to, you know, try to slow down uh, George Cambosis because George Cambosis was there tall, long, and, you know, had the uh, control the distance pretty much around that whole fight. He was controlling the distance in that fight because uh, he was able to, you know, use the uh, length that he had there um, at 5'9 with the, you know, 68-inch uh, reach uh, there, but he, he was just very active uh, with, with his jab, very active with his jab, and, you know, having that opening with the right hand. So that's how you saw that cut that was uh, developed there on Teofimo Lopez because <laughs> George Cambosis was two-piece in the month, you know. But in the 10th round, you saw, you know, Teofimo Lopez uh, was able to eventually get to um, George Cambosis, he started to work the body a, a, more than he was in those previous rounds and probably as much as he should have been uh, from the start. And so he was able to score a knockdown in the 10th round. And then uh, when he was doing that, he it looked like, you know, people were saying like, oh, okay, go for it, go for it. Let's see, see if you can finish uh, George Cambosis. But he wasn't able to finish off George Cambosis there in the 10th round. And so we go into the championship rounds, the 11th and the 12th. And for me, in those two rounds, you saw George Cambosis Jr. pretty much go for it and say, you know what, I'm going to win these last two rounds. I'm not going to, you know, basically leave it uh, to the judges to have it in doubt. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to win these last two rounds. And for me, I felt like he won those last two rounds, uh, but you go into uh, this whole thing here with uh, the scorecards. Uh, you had, you know, uh, Don Trella scored about 114-113 in favor of Teofimo Lopez. But you had Frank Lombardi scored 115-111, and you had Glenn Feldman scored 115-112 for the winner and the new unified lightweight champion of the world, George Cambosis Jr. Yep, that's right. George Cambosis was able to defeat Teofimo Lopez. He fought the fight of his life. He fought the much better fight, at least to me he did. And he went out there and he got it. He went out there and he tried to get that win and he earned that win. So um, these cards here, you know, this 114-113 or this uh, – you know, this um, 115-112 is a pretty weird score. And I'm going to get into that a little bit more. I want to get in a, uh, you know, co-host uh, here uh, to talk about this fight. My man from the ATL area, uh, checking in, Mr. Mike Grady. What's going on, man? Hey, what's going on, James? How you doing tonight, man? Man. Great night of fights, man. Great night of fights. Yeah, you can say that again. Oh, um, you know, just uh, jumping off here with the, you know, the Lopez Cambosis, man. I mean, um, I'm kind of, kind of disappointed that I didn't put, <laughs> I didn't put any money on George Cambosis with, with with Lopez being a thirteen to one favorite. 
you know, so I missed out on that. Uh, but you know, outside of that, man, it was a you know good, good. Uh, it was a good fight, or at least for Cambosis, it was a good fight. Uh, Teofimo Lopez, uh, you know, just fought the wrong fight from from the get go. Uh, and you know, people, you know, immediately after the fight, you know, we're talking about um his father, Teofimo Senior, or uh, what he calls Junior. Um, he was just saying like. Great job, son. Fuck him up. Yo. Like, come on, man. But it, it, it was just a, a, a horribly uh, planned out um, strategy there by Teofima Lopez and, and his father there. So um, what did you think about uh, George Cambosa's performance uh, there last night? Um... What Lil John said, watch a person get stowed on for talking that shit. <laughs> I can't even remember what song that is. But hard head make a soft ass, man. Man. And I think that's a lesson for anybody. If you ain't sure you can whoop the dude, but just go in there and fight. It don't need all the extra stuff. Like people who, let's say, for example, Terrence Crawford and Sean Porter. I don't think Sean Porter went in talking mess, but the thing is, why would he? You fighting Terrence Crawford, why would you go in there talking mess? Now, if you got. Errol Spence on the other side, yeah, I might, I might flex my muscle a little bit because I think I'm, I would bludgeon him if I was Errol Spence. Well, pre-injuries and stuff. But yeah, man, I think um, I don't know. Teofimo Lopez is definitely a, a good fighter. In my estimation, I think he's overrated. And yes. Obviously, there were times that he should have fought a lot more in control. But I, I'm not going to give him the benefit of the doubt. You know how we used to always do Adrian Broner? If, if, if Adrian did this, if Adrian did that, if it would be a different circumstance. He chose to do what he did. And he got caught with a, with a looping overhand, like right hand, which actually was set up. Like, George Kambosos was setting him up for that because, you know, the way that uh, what's-his-name was coming in, it wasn't behind a jab. It was just literally – they actually had, like, a mirrored stance, sort of. Like, both of them had their hand low, and then what's his okay. – um, Lopez sort of got his hand behind his back swinging. What kind of crap is that? Like, yeah, your right hand up. But then your hand literally almost behind your back, sort of like like he's swinging his hand behind his back. What kind of crap is that? It's like as skillful as the dude, obviously you can tell he is. What kind of mess is that? Like, and Cambosas did he didn't swing his arm, but he his hand was down the same way, which is why he kept getting cracked by the right hand later in the fight. I think I don't wish misfortune on anyone. But Teofimo Lopez seemed to get the big head. Yes, he rightfully so beat Lomachenko. But 
What have you done for me lately? Yeah, you got a great win, but need I remind you, you you won because you got up on the on the early lead. If you look at the the way that fight was going with Lomachenko, Lomachenko realized something. If I crank it up on this guy, he can't take my punches. I should have cranked it up a lot earlier. Yep. Which I understand why he ain't trying to fight Lomachenko again. Lomachenko, the same thing that Tyson Fury realized against Deontay Wilder. If I crank it up on him, I don't know if he can take it. Now, Deontay Wilder and team has to be criticized for, for Deontay Wilder's stamina. Because up until, let me get off Deontay Wilder, but up until him losing his stamina and and pretty much reverting back to what he normally do and, you know, getting away from the game plan, he was faring pretty well before his stamina went away. Which, to me, if that shit was going to happen, tell me not to bet on you. Tell me not to put my faith in you if, if you ain't got the stamina to keep up in a 12-round fight. Or at least... 10 rounds, you know what I'm saying? Like neither, neither here nor there. Cambosas and and uh Teofimo Lopez. I think the dude need to be humbled, man. And and you know, a guy who didn't want to lose, a guy who said, I'm gonna come in here and I will show you. And then you looked at Teofimo Lopez, he in the corner, kind of awkwardly smiling, because that's the thing that he wanna do. Like, I gotta keep on. This is my awkward, but come, I got to show a, a facade as if I'm confident. So I put this awkward smile on my face. And and like you said, his dad was like, you win and keep it up, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you want your fighter to have a confidence and, and you want, you know, you want him to think that he can win, which uh, maybe that's what the dad should have did. I don't know. I'm not going to criticize or, or speak on that. But what I do know I don't know, man. Teofimo gave gave me a bad taste. Just the way to lead up to this fight and then even like this invincibility. Like I would see if your name was Floyd Mayweather mm-hmm. or, or Andre Ward or Tyson Fury for even that matter. But you, you, you it's really questionable if you are like separated from the rest of the bunch. Maybe the B, the B levels, the, the C levels, and the B minus, because you might be a B level fighter. But the B's and the B pluses, nah, man. Like, and then after the fight, did it look like this dude lacked accountability? Did it look like he he like was a sore loser and and sort of was just like? I saw a couple of different fights. Oh, the Stephen Fulton fight, the dude did the same thing. Maybe this was the wrong guy. Did he do that? Did they both do the same thing or did he? I'm, I'm starting to mix the fights up, but I know the um, Figueroa definitely like he lacked character. Mm-hmm. Did, did, did T.O. do that same thing? I'm trying to remember. Yeah. yeah. He, um, you know, for me, I thought like he almost with the uh, Adrian Broner route, you know, he he almost went like, "Come on, man, y'all know I beat that boy." Yo, I was beating him, I was touching him up. Uh, you know, 
I was, you know, landing all the shots. I was boxing. And you know what? After, you know, the thing with the judges, the judges, man, they, yo, they should have uh, scored the fight 11-2. I mean, 10-2. Uh, I won that fight. Yeah, I know I won that fight. But that's okay. You know, it's still the takeover. I'm going to come back, you know, um, uh, credit to this man. But I won this fight. Uh, takeover coming. Uh, takeover still here. Yo, that type of stuff that there. And talking. I'm going to a new weight class. Wait, are you yeah. are you gonna go to a weight class or are you gonna fight? No, was that Figueroa again? See, both of these boys had that that aura of bullshit in the end of their fight when they lost. That's that's the thing that's confusing me because because I was a bit disappointed in how they handled the loss on both of their end. Was that the other fight or was that that fight? Um, yeah. Um, Brandon Figueroa said, you know, this was a robbery. This is like a, uh, one of the biggest robberies out there. Uh, that's that's kind of like uh, what what um you know what uh you know Brendan Figueroa was saying after after his fight. But I the thing is there was no rematch clause. If this means that now Devin Haney gets if he wins obviously, but if he gets himself a uh, undisputed fight with Teofimo Lopez out of the way with his prima donna. I don't know if he is a prima donna, but what what it looks like, the way that, that he been painted, it looked like he a prima donna. And the accolades that he think he deserves, he ain't he ain't got the accolades. Like, yeah, he beat Lomachenko and and I was on his side and I was happy for him. But it's like, dude, are you kidding me? Fight, man. Like, stop acting like a bitch and fight. Shit. I hate I hate when I play basketball and motherfuckers be just whining and stuff. Like I'm like, dude, play ball. Like, stop. Like, are you like okay? You ain't you ain't trying to like win no NBA championship, but come on, man! Like, get some ground about yourself. Let me stop, man, because I hate motherfuckers acting like little bitches and stuff. I'm gonna stop cursing. I'm gonna let you say what you're gonna say. Oh, talk your shit, man! Talk your shit, <laughs> yo, man! I, I and I, but I, I, I kind of get or understand, you know, what you're saying there, reference to, you know, both um, Teofimo Lopez uh, there and and uh, Brandon Figueroa. They, you know, pretty much acted like sore losers after this fight. Um, and the thing about it was, it was kind of like a a deterrent to the the actual quality of these fights like these were two exciting fights that we were able to witness and you know even though like as a fan and in some cases we you know the end result the way that the judges uh ended up scoring both of those bouts and ended up being both majority decision wins uh but you know in a sense the right person won the fight or at least for me it did so here in this uh particular case at the theater of madison square garden George Cambosis won that fight because he earned that win. He went in there, he fought the champion, and he actually beat the champion. And you saw that visually uh, there with the action uh, that he was doing, and you saw it in the face of Teofimo Lopez. He had the cut that was in his eye. He had a couple of welts. He was getting hit a lot, uh, and, and there wasn't really much activity coming out of Teofimo Lopez in the sense where you could say that, hey, maybe he could get himself, maybe he got himself back in the fight. I mean, you probably could have seen that in the 10th round when he was able to score that knockdown, but he didn't do much else after that in order for him to swing the fight in his favor. Like, if I go back to, you know, these uh, these scores, 
like I said, I mean, you know, 115, 111, and 115, 112, at, at the very least, I see with uh, Frank Lombardi's score in favor of George Cambosis, that to me is almost like a eight rounds to four scorecard with the two knockdowns included. So all, all you basically had was Glenn Feldman that probably uh, made the difference uh, there in this particular bout with his score of 115-112, which I got to be able to see. Um, I got to be able to see if I can find those scorecards uh, round by round because uh, that to me was a very weird scorecard. But on that, I, I, I feel like um, if I'm not mistaken, that first round for that fight was scored 10-9. It was scored 10-9. Uh, not 10-8 in favor of George Cambosis, who scored the knockdown, uh, but 10-9. Um, I think uh, because it may have looked like, you know, um, maybe Teofimo Lopez probably had the advantage at, you know, the majority of their round before George Cambosis was able to score that knockdown. But, I mean, uh, I, I just felt like, uh, you know, it was more of something to the point where George Cambosis uh, did what he needed to do in order to beat the champion. When you come in there as a challenger, you usually got to go in there and beating the champion. You, it, it, even though, you know, you're supposed to judge fights in a clean slate or view fights in a clean slate, it's almost like when someone's the champion, you got to prove that you're better than the champion in order to be the champion. And if you don't necessarily prove that, uh, you know, without much of a doubt, pretty much expect a draw coming or expect the champion getting the benefit of the doubt. But for me, I just felt like George Gambosis was a much hungrier fighter in this particular fight. And it seemed like he was like that leading into the fight. Like all this stuff with the delays, the purse bid and all that type of stuff, you know that George Cambosis uh, went went through most of that. And he had this thing there where his, I think it was his uh, grandfather uh, passed, you know, during all that time with the delays too. So he was going through all that, uh, not, you know, spending time with his kid and all that type of stuff, you know, preparing for this fight. But he knew that this was his uh, golden ticket chance. And he cashed in on that motherfucker. Want to get in, uh, my guy checking in from the Philly area, YSM Sports Media in the building. What's happening? Yeah, what's good, Jay? What's good, Yo, what's, what's good with you, Mike? I mean, I'm chilling, man. Yeah, how you doing? Great night of boxing. Yeah, man. Great night of boxing, man. Yeah, it was. Well, at least for, um, for some people it was. Um, Yo. I don't want to sound like a Monday morning quarterback, but uh, I saw this coming. I I was one of the people that said, yeah, I got Fulton and Cambosos. And the reason why I had Cambosos was uh, Tiafimo Lopez was dressing cute while war was on. He's worried about everything else except for the dude that he's fighting. Everything else. Oh, you want to talk about Josh Taylor? You want to argue with Devin Haney? You want to talk about pay-per-view fights. You want to be on stage with Canelo. A problem that fans and media have is we anoint who's the best fighter. Like they have one victory and, oh, they're the best of the division. No. 
you are not the best in the division. There are like there are like six or seven more fights than you, four or five more fights than you. How are you the best? Why? Because you beat Vasily Lomachenko. Well, let me just wind back the time. Vasily Lomachenko started his career at 25 years old, at 126 pounds. That means he would have probably started his career at either 118 or 122 if he started at like a normal American fighter. So basically, you fought a much smaller man, right? And you beat him. Respect. Mm -hmm. You beat him. But now, as soon as they put you in there with a dude that really don't care nothing about that, that's not really shop-worn or small, now you look like a turkey. So were you really the best in the division? Or did Bob Arum pick the right opponent for you at the right time? Overrated. Just saying. Like, you, like, we be like, oh, such and such is the best. Like, people think Earl Spence is the best. Terrence Crawford is the best. Which one of them dudes beat Keith? Which one of them dudes beat, beat each other? Which one of them dudes beat Manny Pacquiao? Which one of them dudes beat Ugas? None? None? Then how do we know they're the best of the division? Just be able to earn that shit. Well, let Terrence Crawford tell it he number one and and Ring Magazine. Yo, so you know what I like about uh, basketball and football, and the biggest difference between the reason why boxing is lagging behind. You know who the champion is every year. You know who the best is. Every year. No ifs, no ands, no buts. They got to beat the best to get there. Unless you like Cincinnati, who probably will get mad this year. (laughs) Well, my thing is, it's not subjective, right? You don't, because, because the New York Giants sell more tickets than the Washington Redskins, the New York Giants ain't going to say, well, oh, yeah. I don't want it to be 100 yards on the field. It should be 85. Or mm, I don't like them cleats that you're wearing. I want you to wear the other cleats that's going to slow you down. There isn't any of that. Can we tell people to not deflate balls? Is that is that legal? Is that like fair game? I mean, shit. Dude got suspended for that. I'm just talking. I'm going to let you finish your point. <laughs> Yeah, my my point is we need to stop anointing these guys, Mike. We anoint them prematurely. And then something like this happens. Fans would have said, oh, I don't want to see this. I want to see the best versus the best. Well, who's the best? All oh, the guys with the belts. But you know it's so easy to get a fucking belt nowadays. Yeah, of course. Like Julius, yeah, and Dongo was uni- Julius and Dongo was unified, bro. He's a turkey, yo. And he was fighting for Undisputed. Undisputed. I'm kind of upset about that now that I know what level of fighter he is. Michael forever be upset knowing the level of fighter that Julius Ntonko is. Oh my god. He is a turkey, yo. I commend him for, for beating the guys that was in front of him, but he, he wasn't that good. Honestly, like that style that like 
I'm not gonna say this because it's gonna sound certain culturally that style is very um it has a few flaws for fighters in that region. And that's all I'm gonna say. Hey, um go ahead, Jimmy. I'm 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 done. Bro, he was a turkey, yo. He was a turkey, but he's a unified champ. Come on, man. He, as soon as he started facing guys who were top level, they started starching him. And I'm sorry, yo. You beating a champion from the UK, that's not doing nothing for me, yo. The, the UK, those guys fight hard, but at the end of it, they don't have, they don't have the amateur system nor the quality sparring that it is in America for you to develop as a fighter. Those dudes be getting starched by Mexicans that are doing this shit part-time. Yeah. Go ahead, Jack. And, you know, it's like like you were saying, man, you, you got a lot of these guys that you know, get these accolades, but haven't really, you know, earned them joints, you know, like you're saying about like being the best lightweight, like, okay, you beat one guy. So that says that you're the best lightweight. Have you proven it yet? No. Like you got to get in the ring and fight these guys. And the thing about it is with Ciofimo Lopez didn't get in the ring and fight those guys. He was, you know, trying to say, oh, just because I beat this guy that, like you said, uh, there, Jamil came up from about two divisions, um, and, and I got the win. And y'all were claiming that he was oh the pound for pound best in the sport, which he really wasn't. Um, and I and I and hey, that's officially on record. I said it. I'm not Titty Atlas, all right. I ain't putting Vasilimachenko number one in the pound for pound list or whatever y'all want to you know talk about. But either way, you had Teofimo Lopez. Going in there, and just because he was a top-ranked fighter, that's pretty much why he got that fight with Vasilomachenko. Let's keep it 100, right? Because Vasilomachenko was supposed to fight Devin Haney. Everybody knows that. So it didn't happen. They set it up so they could have Teofimo Lopez try to go after Vasilomachenko after Lopez beat Richard Comey for the IBF title, right? Mm. So that being said, you know, okay, worked out to where Tiafema Lopez won. But just because you beat somebody once don't mean that everybody should be, you know, clamoring all over you or or anything like that for, you know, getting uh or having like a big fight or something like that. You gotta build you gotta build yourself up. If you haven't built yourself up, then everybody ain't gonna be chasing you. And so he he got big headed in a sense, like you know, Mike was saying. He got big-headed, and he, you know, tried to get money from Bob, didn't get it, went to first bid, okay, Triller, you know, tried to, you know, get him paid, but they couldn't get the fight going, so guess what? That $6 million purse bid or whatever it was, out the window. So you're not getting about $4 million or whatever you were going to get from that deal. So now we're on this second one, half that. So it was $3 million something from Matchroom. So now you go from almost getting two two times the amount that you probably would have gotten if you stayed with top rank to pretty much around that same price. 
And now at one fight, one fight in that deal with the purse bid, you go in there and you, you know, kind of like BS around. You, you like I said, you, you're in these appearances, you know, having back and forth with uh, Devin Haney, uh, appearing over at the Canelo plant uh, fight week, you know, talking about you're shredded and, and, and all types of stuff, but not really focusing on the fight. And now you're talking about, oh, uh, you know, we had only a four-week camp because we had done this and we had done that or whatever it is. Listen, like I said before, George Cambosis had camp after camp after camp. You know what I'm saying? And he had a bunch of – he had setbacks himself, and he still went to camp, tried to take – you know, was taking care of business because he knew – what was there at the at the end of the at the end of the tunnel? If he gets the win, he becomes unified champion. He becomes you know somebody that you know possibly could be uh, pursued by the other lightweights that are there for the belts. And he went in there and he took care of business. And I'll talk about what is potentially there for George Cambosis there in a bit. But I'm gonna get back to you, uh, YSM, on on the particular fight itself, man. Like, what did you think about, you know, either George Cambosis' performance or the way that Teofimo Lopez approached this fight? Um, I feel like it's a combination of both, like what Cambosis did and what uh, Teofimo Lopez didn't do. Uh, Teofimo Lopez was looking for one shot, and he just seemed like he just abandoned all just boxing principles. And... He wasn't getting any kind of corner instruction because Teofimo Lopez Sr. was ass. Like, he was just saying, oh, just go knock this dude out. Like, okay, well, tell me how. Like, what do you see? Am I supposed to faint the uh, faint the right hand and come over top with the left hook? Like, am I supposed to go to his body? Like, what? No, it, it wasn't any kind of instruction. So it just showed me just, a, a number one, a lack of game planning. Two, a style deficiency. Now, I had heard previously that uh, uh, Tia Lopez struggled with slick fighters. Now, Cambosos really isn't slick, but he's a boxer. So, uh, Tia Lopez had, uh, what, a good six rounds against uh, Vasil Lomachenko. But when Lomachenko decided to pick up the pace, he was landing at will. So, now I'm seeing exactly why they kept you away from Devin Haney. Like you, like, you are very proficient against guys who stand in front of you. But guys who are going to move around, you struggle. And Cambosa started to style on him. He was feeling himself. Yep. He's looking at chicks in the crowd. He's like, yo, I'm, I'm staying at the W after this. Hit me up. You know what I'm saying? It was lit. <laughs> Did you yeah. see him? Did you see him? He countered with the right hand over the top. Slipped out the back door and looked and, and looked at him and smiled. Yep. And I heard him say, "He was like cocky, mates. Like yeah, at the end. I, I didn't hear all that, but what I do know, it ain't difficult to hit somebody who who hand swinging like who's hand swing behind their back while they like walking and stuff. That to okay. me kind of enrages me that his hand is literally behind his back swinging. And and he, and he's like walking in into like an engagement engagement zone. 
You know what I'm talking about? How he like his hand be swinging back there, sort of. Yeah. It, it's like, Cambosas didn't swing his hand, but his hand was low like that too, which is why he kept getting caught as well. Hey yo, this is a this is a fundamental truth, right? How can you be considered the best? Did Vasily Lomachenko beat Ryan Garcia? Nope. Did Vasily Lomachenko beat Javier Fortuna? Nope. Did Vasily Lomachenko beat David Haney? Nope. Richard Comey? At least not yet. Javante Davis. Hell no. So how are you the best in the division? Because the powers that be have crowned me. If you want to crown them, then crown their ass. Oh, my bad. Hey, yo. You know what we can say about Josh Taylor, though? Yep. His resume better than Terrence Crawford at, at uh one forty. Is that is that what you're trying to get at? It is, but what I'm saying is Josh Taylor he took out majority of those guys. There wasn't really dudes left. Like the only guys that I don't think he fought was what, Jose Zapeda? Now he's fighting Jack Catterall. But Jose Zapeda G Jack Catterall and what Mario Barrios? That was the only guys that were really left that he didn't fight, and he's fighting Catterall now. So if he beats Catterall, he would have took out like four of the top six. Mm -hmm. That's what you call being a man. This young boys, this young boys, he, he made the moves possible to get himself in a position to fight the top guys at the 140-pound division. First, he entered himself in that World Boxing Super Series, and he and he fought those guys there, the, what is it, the Baranchiks and the, and, the, and the Regis Progress, and, and he won that. And then after that, he signed up to be, you know, part of top rank just so he could go ahead and face Jose Carlos Ramirez for the Undisputed Championships and beat Jose Carlos Ramirez, and now he's going up against Jack Catterall uh, there. So he's fighting all those top guys at 140-pound division. Yeah. No. But, yeah, guys like, uh, you know, Vasil Lomachenko and, and Teofimo Lopez, they, you know, they haven't necessarily uh, you know, fought those guys at 135 to kind of like be the clear-cut Number one guy at 135. Uh, I mean, these other guys haven't, you know, fought fought the top guys either, but at least, you know, they're trying to see about getting those fights going. And here we are, and this is uh, – and this kind of, like, shows that you got to be on your P's and Q's when it comes to this thing here in, in, in boxing. It's like anybody, you know, anything can happen. And, you know, some people are kind of, like, you know, feeling like this is the biggest upset of the year, at least from an oddsmaker standpoint, it probably is. You know, thirteen to one favorite Tiafimo Lopez was. And bro, I gotta start betting on these fights that I man. feel like when I feel something like this. Yeah. What you felt? I, just, I I felt like 
Uh, oh, what you said when you first walked in the store. I mean, in the, in the yeah, show. He's just like he he wasn't he wasn't focused. He wasn't focused on the task at hand. And like, yo, nobody's playing with you. Like them fucking press clippings don't matter. Your resume doesn't matter. You're in the ring with. Oh, you know, well, you know, I beat Lomachenko. Well, you know, I beat Lomachenko, so I'm the number one guy. That dude don't give a fuck. He don't care about Lomachenko. He don't care about what you did. Do it to me. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, but the, but the Ring Magazine say I'm the number one guy. The Ring Magazine say I'm the I'm the best. I'm the best of the best. Yeah, I I remember when uh I remember when Kobe was coming into the league and uh they were talking about um, Mike and one of the guys was like yeah you know don't uh you know don't look him in the eye and Kobe said what don't look him in the eye oh, you got the wrong dude so I'm gonna look him dead in his eye so whatever he is I am like they talking about this dude they call him Black Jesus Black Cat no nah, you got to show me I need to see it. That's the mentality that fighters should have. Like, I don't care about your press clip. Do it to me. Yeah. yeah. And we didn't see that coming out of uh thing for Teofimo Lopez. He just felt like, you know, he was the, you know, the golden, the golden child or whatever it was. So, you know what I'm saying? Um and and he basically got humbled. Well, supposedly humbled, but he didn't humble himself after the fight. Hey. Want to add in uh, another guest in uh, jump into this live conversation. Uh, the host of uh Chicken Talk uh, Spaces out there, uh, Mister Lefty man, what, Lefty, what's good? What's up? Can you hear me? I'm on my yeah. computer. What's up? Yeah, I'm all good, man. What, what, what's what's going on, man? Chicken, uh, having this uh, little first half conversation about uh, Lopez Cambosis. So I wanted to. Yeah, I've been here. I've been listening. Quick. I just want to tell YSM I love that interview you had with Bozzy Ennis earlier, uh, earlier this week, man. I love I love when you go into gyms and interview people. That was that was that was a good interview. Which uh, which one? The one when he talking about uh, when he was asked when you asked him about Fulton entering the pound for pound list, and he yeah. was talking about uh, black fighters having a, a different set of standards. Oh yeah, he definitely kept. Yeah, yeah, I love that one. Uh, out of, Appreciate uh, it. What did you say, uh, boxing story? Uh, wanted to get like your um, assessment of that uh, Lopez Cambosis. I know that um, you know we talked about it a little bit last night, um, but. You know, wanted to get uh, you know, your your take on it here about you know almost twenty four hours after it happened. You know? it, it was this to to uh on his BS doing the same thing Sean Porter was doing, but at a much much worse level. Uh, want to be at all the fights, want to be on on the TV all the time. Don't want to uh, train and get serious, and he got and it showed. You know, it showed that you saw one man, Cambosis, who was who's who's been serious through all the delays, because they both had the same excuse me, the same amount of ring rust. So Cambosis mm -hmm. just was more prepared. And any given night, if you don't take it serious, you know they 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 didn't have a regular trainer in there with him. Uh, he fired his nutritionist. He T.O. is just he he was a clown 
he's been he's been he's been um, running a circus show for the last year, and he showed yep. up as a clown yesterday. So it happened. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, you know, I was like mentioning uh, before you got on that you know George Cambosa's pretty much like you said went through the same delays. He had you know a, a, a tragedy in the family. You know, like he said after the fight. Um, but, you know, he was still focused on uh, getting himself, you know, prepared for this fight. And, you know, the all the um, antics from Teofimo Lopez, you know, probably got him really upset in a sense. But he just kind of focused it on getting in the ring and proving that he was a better fighter than Teofimo Lopez. Because, you know, one thing I, I didn't quite mention is that when, you know, you had the originally scheduled fight, uh, that was in June, pretty much around June 5th or June 6th. That was supposed to take place in Miami. It was supposed to be a Triller event. Triller was the one that initially won the bid. Triller is the one that put up over $6 million for the fight. And Teofimo Lopez kind of like, you know, messed around a little bit. You know, in the, you know, rumor scale, he messed around a little bit. It said COVID. It's like, okay, COVID, but. It, it's some. It's I'm, I'm gonna just put it out there. I don't care. It's one thing to say that you have COVID, but it's another thing when you have a, a trip with which which a girl on a, a at another part of the world a week later or two weeks later, but you got COVID. That's a whole nother thing. But with that being said, you don't have the fight that's originally scheduled. Then you try to reschedule the fight a couple months later. Triller has a whole bunch of stuff going on that pretty much just says, you know what? We're scrapping the fight all together. So now you just cost yourself almost 50% or pretty much 50% of the purse that you would have had. Because when Matrimon was second, they had a little bit over $3 million. I don't know if it was like 3.4 or 3.5 or something like that. But that's a whole lot different than 6.4, $6.5 million. So now you have another fight that's going to be scheduled that had to be rescheduled about three or four times since June. And now here we are in November and you're out here, you know, all up in the videos, you know, like uh, Suge Knight be saying, or, you know, flexing your muscles, you know, during the week of Canelo playing, like holding all the belts, taking photo ops with Canelo and, not really focusing on the fight like Lefty is saying. And um think about it is is like, yo, you gotta be able to take care of business because yo, Mill Mill is saying, like, all you've done is beat Lomachenko. You really haven't done much of anything yet. I'm almost getting, you know, almost like I'm doing a rant like Teddy Atlas. You ain't done nothing yet. What are you doing? But you still have to be able to take care of business. You have this mandatory that you have to take care of in George Cambosis. After you go ahead and you try to take care of George Cambosis, then you could talk about potentially fighting a Devin Haney or anything like that. But not only that, you and your father, your trainer, are saying time after time after time after time that you're having an issue trying to get down to 135 pounds. So you're focusing on Devin Haney talking trash. You're focusing on potentially having a fight with 
uh, Josh Taylor at a catch weight, but you're not really focusing on George Cambosis Jr. And it backfired on you. And you saw with George Cambosis, he sent that message in the first round of this fight. And after that, you pretty much seen that every single time that Teofimo Lopez tried to do something, George Cambosis tried to get, you know, get on the get back. And that's what he did. He he got back at, you know, Teofimo Lopez. And that pretty much was the the theme of this particular fight. And so, you know, for me, um, I was trying to look at the thing for the scorecards, too. I, I was just kind of surprised that, uh, who is it, um, Glenn Feldman and Don Trella scored that first round 10-9 uh, there for George Cambosis instead of 10-8. Uh, but I guess they just felt like uh, Teofimo Lopez was, quote-unquote, dominating that round up until that knockdown. Uh, but that was kind of the reason why you've seen, like, the weird scores from those guys, a 115-112 for Cambosis and a 114-113 for Teofimo Lopez. But for me, I don't see where you had Teofimo Lopez um, be the one that kind of like won the majority of those rounds, you know. Um, you know what? I, I, like, it was just something to where, you know, I just felt like Cambosis actually did what you do when you come in as a challenger. You go in there and you beat the champion. And that's exactly what George Cambosis did. Now, a- after all this, um, you know, we kind of like see that George Cambosis is now the new unified lightweight champion. And now there's a whole lot of possibilities that have opened up. Um, you know, immediately, you know, thought about something in reference to that. Um, you know, I, I, I made a mistake in, in early, you know, after the fight. I thought that Cambosis uh, was, you know, pretty much on the deal with Matchroom. He's not. He's there with Lou DeBella, and Lou DeBella will throw in a few motherfuckings to remind you that he is under <laughs> DeBella Entertainment. And so there is a whole bunch of things that are opened up there for uh, George Cambosis. Yet, could there be a potential rematch with Teofimo Lopez? Maybe, but I doubt it. Like I said, Teofimo Lopez is probably ended up going to go at 140. Or there might be a whole lot of stuff that could go on with Teofimo um, later on down the line. But you do have, uh, you know, his potential uh, thing there where he could probably fight a Devin Haney next year. If Devin Haney gets his win over Jojo Diaz uh, next Saturday. Um, you also have potentially Gervonta Tank Davis if he, you know, gets through, um, you know, Isak Cruz on, on December 5th. You also, you know, have the thing. You have a top contender there, Vasilomachenko, who fights December 11th. You have Ryan Garcia if he wants to get back in the game. So there's a lot of options there at lightweight for George Cambosis here uh, for his next fight. It, it's it's almost like a auction of sorts. Like, you know, he could, you know, pretty much try to see if he could get a good amount of money uh, for fighting the Ryan Garcia. Or, or fighting Devin Haney or fighting the Tank Davis or, you know, maybe uh, Bob Arum says something about, you know, trying to get him in there with, uh, you know, uh, Vasilomachenko. 
So there's a lot of possibilities out there for uh, George Cambosis there, man. Um, anyone uh, got any ideas as far as like, you know, what could potentially be next for Cambosis? Pain. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. You that that's that's basically the gist of it. Like he he he's he's gonna get paid. Like they're gonna have to show show him the money in a sense, you know. Um I think Lou DeBello will try to, you know, get something uh worked out for his fighter. Um also wanna see what uh his uh, manager, if he's still his manager, Peter Kahn. Uh, to see what uh, input he has on this, um, you know, because, um, you know, he, he was trying to, you know, initially with this Teofimo Lopez fight, Peter Kahn was trying to have, you know, Lopez fight Cambosis over in Australia, you know, but all the whole lockdown and all the, all the, you know, crazy stuff that's happening in Australia, I don't know how that was going to go, but still, Cambosis has a lot of options coming up in 2022. Uh, if you know, after these next uh, couple of weeks, we'll see uh, how that could work out uh, there for George Cambosis. But uh, on the flip side, Teofimo Lopez, you pretty much screwed up, man. You might have took you might have took the biggest sell of 2021 when it comes to boxes. You know, you tried to you know get get good money. Um, you know, to have this uh, fight go to purse bid, you know, Triller, like I said, Triller got the purse bid win for over $6 million. So you thought you would get paid about $4 million or something like that. It, it fell through. Um, and now it just ended up being on Matchroom for about half that amount. So you got around paid a little bit, probably over a little bit over two, $2 million or something like that. Um, and you, you pretty much was out there BSing the whole time. And you end up taking this loss. And it was a pretty definitive loss in the sense for me. And now you got all these guys that are on you. Um, you know, Devin Haney calling you a fraud, you know, all this type of stuff. And you you thought that, you know, you could probably get something done with the with the renegotiated deal with top rank. Now, that would have been something if you were able to win. But now you lost. And so all you had was the one win over Vasilomachenko, and that's it. So now where is your value? You know, where is your value going to be at with with uh, top rank? Like, who are they going to put you up against? You know, wh where where are you going to get the you know amount of interest needed for uh, people to try to see you when we know? Well, I wouldn't necessarily know, but we have a we have a, a, a inkling that you may want to still try to ask for a good amount of money to fight somebody at 140 pounds because you, you're going to be at 140 pounds in your next fight, most likely. So what are you going to do? You're going to fight like a Jose Cepeda at, at, at 140 pounds? Are you are you going to fight like, uh, you know, those guys? Uh, out there, the multitude of fighters that they have at 140 over at top rank, and how much are you going to ask for? And whatever you ask for, are you going to get it? Like, who knows? You know. So, you know, Josh Taylor sees this. He's he's likely going to move on. You know, you got you know Jose 
uh, Pedraza that's out there, you could probably fight, but you really, really have some issues there. Don't be surprised if we might not see much from Teofimo Lopez in 2022. We barely saw him for 2021. So, I mean, I don't know, man. Teofimo Lopez just, you know, really kind of like, uh, you know, took a, a real, real, real uh, setback here. I know that he, you know, had a message of sorts like saying that, you know, he's going to be, you know, back at it there in 2022. Uh, they said like they had a three-fight deal that they were working on uh, with uh, top rank. But, I mean, who knows how that's going to, you know, work out for him. I, I, I just uh, – <sighs> It just felt like a big, big time L for him. Can I ask you a question, James? Go ahead. Are we still talking about this guy? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, man. You, you care about him, Lefty? See, Lefty not even sorry, listening. I, I, I was, hey. Lefty not even listening. That's, that's his answer. No, I was... Hey. And also, yeah, excuse me. No, I mean, it's the topic of the day. Of course, we're going to talk about it. Which one you care more about, your chicken? Or well, the spaghetti right now, though. I'm starving. <laughs> you care more about your spaghetti or Tia female Lopez? Which one? Look, my spaghetti right now, I'm starving. Okay, that, that, that's the answer. That's still the answer. No, but yeah, he just, man, you know what? Did you did you see the interview his daddy did talking about we shouldn't have fought on the zone we should have listened to top rank did y'all see that? Oh my <laughs> god, no! <laughs> did you see that? That's funny, bro. They, they blaming everybody but themselves. He's talking about and, and plus it wasn't the zone fault. The zone saved the fight, so don't blame the zone. Yep. If anybody blamed Triller, he should have said we shouldn't have listened to Triller. We should have stayed with top rank. Yeah, you got paid a lot less, but. You would have won the fight because they wouldn't have been on um, the fight would happen a lot earlier. They wouldn't have been out the ring for over a year to do all this BS they've been doing. But like Leonard Ellerby always say, we have a plan for our fighters. Top rank had a plan for T.O. T.O. didn't want to follow their plan. He wanted to do his own thing. And that's good if you're disciplined, but you're not disciplined enough to do that. Oh, there's that skill thing, too. Oh, he's a he, he's skilled. Now, come on, he's skilled. He's shown us he's, he's highly skilled. It was I'm just, not saying he ain't skilled. What I am saying, he skillfully got his ass whipped the other, yesterday. True facts, facts, facts. That's true. Can we talk about somebody else? All right, let's talk about. Let me finish this spaghetti. <laughs> Plus, man, they going back and forth for me. Uh, on Twitter about this black fighters wearing the Mexican garb. Oh, the whole thing with oh yeah oh. Yeah, man, no, just stop doing it. You you got some black well, people. They trying to they 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 since they like the fighter, they trying to make excuses for them. But look, I'm on my same shit anyway. If I tell a white person don't do some shit because it's offensive to me, I expect them not to do it. Now, if Mexicans telling you don't do some shit because it's offensive to them, don't do it. But you got people trying to make excuses. It's paying. Um, I mean, it's 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 to provoke them. No, it's not. It's not provoking them. They they culturally appropriating. And if they're telling you you're culturally appropriate, it ain't your job to say. Well, actually, what we would no, just stop doing it. 
I yeah. digress. That was uh, they don't tell the colonizer that. So who I, I do? Okay, all right. <laughs> I'm saying the masses, the masses. I do. Yeah, Lefty does. <laughs> uh, yeah, going into that thing there. Um, Stephen Fulton, Brandon Figueroa Jr., Heartbreaker versus Cool Boy stuff. Um, you know, for me, man, uh, that well, it ended up being another what a majority decision uh, type of fight. Um, but you know, two judges scored it one sixteen, one twelve. Um, well, I mean, no, the that the uh, Lopez Cambosis was split decision. This was majority decision. Um, Fulton had two scores of 116, 112, and there was like a 114, 114 card. So Stephen Fulton ended up getting the win eight rounds to four on two score cards. Stays undefeated, becomes a unified champion, WBC and WBO at 122 pounds. Um, I felt like it was a very good fight, but it was more of what Stephen Fulton was doing looked much cleaner and were much more visual than what Brandon Figueroa was doing. Um Stephen Fulton, like, pretty much sent a message at the beginning of this fight that he said, you know what, I'm going to go in the trenches. I'm going to fight on the inside. I'm going to fight Brandon Figueroa's fight, and I'm going to do better <laughs> in this fight than Figueroa's going to do. And he did, you know, he did that for most of the fight and also had a couple of elements of where he was beating Figueroa to the jab and, and scoring jabs at a distance, which should have been, what Brandon Figueroa was supposed to do, but he didn't do that. He was just, you know, walking in, walking in, walking in, waiting to get close and then work the body and then reset, walk in, walk in, walk in, do the same thing. While Stephen Fulton didn't allow him to try to do that all too much for the majority of the fight, got himself on the ropes, scored when he could on the ropes, then got himself out of the ropes and repeated the process. And for me, it was just a left hook, and the right uppercut of Stephen Fulton that was landing the entire fight. And Brandon Figueroa did not have any answers for that. And that's why, I like, I, I just felt like with, with the uh, two uh, judges that scored it, you know, 116-112, I just felt like that was on point. They nailed it, you know, um, and, and that type of stuff. When when they uh, scored it for you know uh, Stephen Fulton uh, there that was um, you know Dave Moretti and Tim Cheatham uh, that scored at one sixteen one twelve while David Sutherland scored at one fourteen one fourteen so um, yo I, I I felt like it was uh, that was uh, on on point but like we were saying uh, with Mike earlier in, in this uh, thing Brandon Figueroa is saying it was a robbery of the year. Fans who watch this live know who won. I always come to fight, and I did that all night. Yeah, okay. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean, yeah. Nah, you 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 came in there to try to do uh, what you were doing against previous opponents to try to wear him down, and Stephen Fulton was ready for all that, and he pretty much countered most of all that. You know, a lot of those punches that. Brandon Figueroa threw to the body were blocked. Um, and like I said, you see more cleaner punches coming from Stephen Fulton uh, there. So, you know, I felt like 
Stephen Fulton clearly won. You know, he said, like, yeah, like, laying a lot of clean shots. And the other thing, too, was, you know, uh, they were talking about a rematch. And <laughs> Stephen Fulton was like, yeah, we can do it again. Yeah. And Brandy was like, uh, you know, um, yeah, I'm moving, I'm moving up to 126. Uh, so uh, if you're going to have a rematch, it's going to be at 126. Man, come on, man. You can try to get in there for one more fight against cool boy Steph uh, at 122. Why you have to move up to 126 where you might have to have like about three or four fights before cool boy Steph comes up to 126. And what's that 126 that he rushing up there to get to? Yeah, exactly. You know, what is he trying to do? Is he trying to fight Ray Vargas at 126 or something? You know? I can see if they give him a uh, Leo Santa Cruz, then okay. Or I don't know who he's trying to fight at 126. Wasn't he saying he couldn't make the weight? Man, for the right amount of money, you could make that weight. Yeah. For the right amount of money, you could make any weight. Yep. You know, um, yeah, I know that, you know, he, he answered that question in the conference call. Um, that happened, you know, before the fight where he was talking with uh, Jake Donovan about that. Um, and the other thing was that I found interesting that, you know, Jake was talking about was that it, it, you know, he was saying the thing about, you know, moving up to 126 because if he was successful in this fight, he wasn't even going to fight. He he didn't even think that he was going to be fighting MJ Akmandalia, you know, for them being around the same camp. And I'm like, bro. So you mean to tell me that you wouldn't even have an undisputed uh, title fight at 122 just because MJ's in the same camp as you? Come on, man. Or was he going to fight Roman? Right. Like, would he fight Roman or something like that? Like, he didn't even consider all that. He said, yo, I'm going up to 126. Like like I said, who who you going to fight? Leo Santa Cruz? We don't even know what Leo Santa Cruz is going to do. He ain't even fought all year. Yeah. You know? Um. You got yeah. Mark McTyre that's trying to, you know, get in a fight with Gary Russell Jr. next year, you know. Um, Navarrete's moved up. Yeah. Who you going to fight? Lee Wood, Michael Conlon winner? Like, or, or, Kiko, um, Kiko Martinez, whatever his name is. Yeah, Kiko Martinez, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's going to fight Kiko Martinez yeah, like, for that belt. Like, what you rushing up there for? Ain't nothing up there. I think that yo, that might be it, man. I think he might be going up the fight. Now, you know, you know, you know, her and gonna get that fight to uh, uh, what's that boy name? Uh, uh, Warrington. Oh no! You know, Warrington got a big draw, man. So of course he gonna get the top, the top God. fight. Oh man, nah, man, man, I don't, man. It, I mean, uh, it makes it makes sense. I, I, I know from a from a you know from a uh business standpoint it makes a lot yeah, of sense. business standpoint yeah but man nah you know what they <laughs> you know what they should do <laughs> yo <laughs> yo my guy Kiko Martinez should say fuck all y'all I'm, I'm defending the title against Maurice Mauricio Lara that's who I'm defending the title against <laughs> What's well, crazy though, know, they, they could really have a unification. Uh well if uh Lee Wood win, if he beats uh uh Michael Collin, which he should, Collin is not that good, man. Yeah, he ain't that good. 
uh, Mike, you, you talk about somebody that ain't that good. Yeah, I think uh, people feel like Mick Conlon ain't that good. You talking about a guy who privileged because who his brother is? He He's a prime example. Privileged. Yeah. Who his brother is. Yep. You know, so. So I remember some dude trying to tell me, uh, some oh British or Irish dude trying to tell me uh Michael Conlon is a big draw in 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 America. Man, don't nobody care about no Michael Conlon. Nah, man. Man, the only the only only time that they could really get something out of Mick Conlon in America is during St. Pat Patrick's Day weekend. That's it. And that's and that's a small hall at Madison Square Garden. Right. And that's what Conor McGregor's showing up. Yep. <laughs> you know, <laughs> ain't nobody checking for no Mike Conlon. Mick so, Conlon, whatever his name. Yeah. Is. So uh, that you know that ain't even uh, that ain't even a topic uh, uh, of uh, concern when it comes to the overall draw, Mick Conlon, man. Like they they, they got to do uh, you know better than that on that instance. So you know that yeah yeah they could yeah they could basically uh, you know keep all that uh, right there. So I mean so yeah now you got a. Uh, Stephen Fulton uh, out there, man. He he's they're still undefeated. Like he had like how many consecutive fights against unbeaten fighters? That's the fourth consecutive uh, fight that he had against an unbeaten fighter, uh, and he was able to you know still win, uh, get get a decision win. So he you know beat Isaac Avalar, beat Arnold Kagai, beat Angelo Leo this year, and beat friend Brandon Figueroa this year, and you know. He should be under consideration as, uh, you know, fighter of the year, man. He was able to, you know, win, you know, for uh, win two belts. You know, basically like won two belts uh, this year, you know, against uh, top top rated fighters there at 126, uh, 122 pounds. Excuse me. So he was able to get those wins at uh, 122 pounds against uh, two top guys there uh, this year. So that kind of like uh, stands out. Uh, there as far as like his overall resume you know out there so uh you do uh, I, i'm looking forward to see what could be next uh, out there for uh stephen fulton uh i i doubt that a ba you know undisputed thing there with uh mj akmadaliev but uh you did hear from the winner of the co-feature about raiz the beast Salim, uh saying that he basically called out uh Stephen Fulton and said that hey yo I could be out there out there to you know fight you so you could probably see uh Stephen Fulton against Ray Salim there at 122 pounds so that may be a good little scrap uh there if we get that uh sometime around uh the midway point of next year either that or you might have a uh voluntary defense for uh cool boy Steph over in Philadelphia but I mean who knows They've been talking about trying to have that uh, there for Stephen Fulton for about, and it's been almost like a year, a year plus or whatever it was. So uh, we don't know how that's going to turn out. Um, next week, we got uh, the whole thing with uh, you got Devin Haney that will be uh, going in the ring there against Jojo Diaz. And, of course, uh, Gavante Tank Davis against Isak Cruz. That will be on uh, December 5th. Also with Sebastian Fedora against Sergio Garcia and Sergey Derevianchenko against Carlos Adames. So we got like a lot of good uh, fights coming up. Demi Haney 
uh, you know, was pretty much focused on his fight here against Jojo Diaz. I've uh, been training there over in Las Vegas. So uh, he's getting himself ready for uh, Jojo, who's trying to, you know, win the title in a second weight class. And I know that, you know, we were talking about, uh, you know, Vasil Machenko coming up from, uh, you know, 126. But, you know, um, Jojo did have himself, uh, you know, stint there around 126. He's been as low as, you know, almost 122. He almost made, you know, 122, but that was like at the beginning of his career. But he won the IBF title at 130, and now he's here at 135 going up against Devin Haney for the WBC lightweight title. So, um, you know, I I think this could be an opportunity for Devin Haney to, like, really impress, uh, you know, those that are you know, looking out there to say, like, okay, you know, maybe he could, you know, do some things here in the lightweight division as long as he is able to get those fights against the other guys in the lightweight division. Like I said, you know, Vasilomachenko, you know, wouldn't fight him. Um, Teofimo Lopez, you know, wouldn't fight him. Um, You know, looks like to a certain extent, Ryan Garcia wouldn't fight him, so... I mean, this is this is what we get. So now you got Jojo Diaz uh, stepping up to the plate uh, there to you know fight Devin Haney, even though Ryan Garcia, in one way or another, was one of those mandatories in the WBC. So Jojo Diaz is here to step up, and then we're gonna see what 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 happens in this fight. Um, uh, Mike, what, what do you expect uh, here from uh, Devin Haney uh, against Jojo Diaz here? I think Devin Haney should win. Um, I'm trying to remember JoJo Diaz style. Who he got beat by? JoJo Diaz. His lone loss was against Gary Russell. Oh. Was Devin Haney the one who looked real good in his fight, his last fight, and he sort of uh, was landing like bigger punches, even though he got hurt by um, the the veteran at the end? Yeah. Oh yeah. Devin Haney all the way. He looked pretty good in that fight. Jorge Linares is I think he's getting on the on the tail end of his career, but you know, he he's sort of like in that same position that Luis Calazo was, where you you know, like very skilled guy. And if you put in the right wrong guy who isn't refined, they will get beat. But, you know, you need you need a certain caliber of guy. But the more wars he be in, I question how much how much he gonna um, you know be able to sort of like take take this the um, the punishment that comes to him being in these bigger fights? Yeah, Devin Haney all the way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, uh, JoJo uh, there at uh, one twenty six. Like he's coming in there, like he has what is it? Uh, Devin Haney's there with. Uh, like his uh, arm length is like uh, seventy one inches, and and uh, Jojo Diaz is sixty four. And if uh, you know, if Devin Haney's at the top of his game, like he should be able to try to, you know, just uh, have a have a show against uh, Jojo Diaz. There, I know that Jojo Diaz is gonna be, you know, try to be game and everything like that. He's gonna try to work the inside. Uh, try to work the body of uh, Devin Haney, 
But, you know, as long as Devin Haney, you know, does what he did against uh, Jorge Linares and, you know, also against uh, Yuri Orkis Gamboa, just keeping the distance away, then he could, you know, box himself to a wide decision win over Jojo Diaz if he if he wants to. Or he could, you know, try to go in there and try to, you know, see if he could get a, a knockout. If he does get a knockout over Jojo Diaz, it would, you know, kind of like send a message there uh, to the other fighters at 135 pounds. Um, and, you know, I, I, I would like to see if he could do that uh, there. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like looking uh, forward to, you know, seeing what he does there in, in this uh, particular um out uh, here against Jojo. Um, you also, you know, had uh, the thing with oh Montana Love is uh, part of this card too against Carlos Diaz. Uh, their uh, lefty, you know, Montana Love, of course, was part of that card over in uh, Ohio uh, with, with with Paul. So uh, he he got himself a deal with uh, Matchroom Boxing uh, after you know he was uh, after he got that win over Ivan uh, Baranchik. So. Uh, this is uh, his uh, first fight uh, there under the deal with Matchroom going up against Carlos Diaz. So you got, you know, him in this uh, particular bout or fight card. You got Ammo Williams uh, part of this fight card. You got Philip Hergovich. It's almost like Philip Hergovich is in every one of these Matchroom cards. Well, um, he's, he's fighting on Devin Haney's card? Who? Hergovich. Yeah, yeah, he is. I didn't know that. You know, Matt just asked what happened to Herkovich. What What's going on with him? Nah, I mean, he, he's on here, man. He's facing, he's facing Scott Alexander. Uh, you know, he like I said, I mean, he's, you know, in a whole bunch of these, uh, bunch of these, um, you know, matchroom cards. So, yeah, he, he's part of that. Uh, Jessica McCaskill, who was looking like a whole snack uh, last night. Uh, <laughs> She's going up and, and she's defending her uh, welterweight titles against uh, Victoria Bustos. Uh, so that's that's the co-feature about there. Uh, Mark Castro is also going to be involved in this fight card as well. Uh, so you know, I'm kind of like looking looking ahead to you know seeing what's up with all that. And you know, like like I said, man, December fifth, man, Sunday. Uh, you go over to Los Angeles, Cavante Tank Davis against Isak Cruz Gonzalez. Um, and, you know, that's going to be that's going to be a, a, a what they say, a, a, almost like a, a collision of sorts. That's pretty much been the uh, the how uh, this fight has been described by, you know, uh, Tank Davis, uh, among many others, because you got Isak Cruz. He's there with the record of 22 wins, one loss, and one draw. He's had a good string of uh, consecutive victories going into this particular fight against Tank Davis. Of course, Tank Davis with his uh, high KO ratio, 25 wins with 24 wins by way of knockout. Uh, will be for, you know, a version of the uh, WBA lightweight title. So will be there at 135 pounds. So yet another lightweight belt. Uh, there, so it'll be the third lightweight uh, fight um, that we've had, you know, over in the last week or so. So I'm definitely, you know, looking forward to see what Tank Davis does in this one. Um, you know, I know that Isak Cruz is like a pretty tough guy, but he's gonna be dealing with a whole different type of uh, fighter here in, in Cavante Tank Davis. 
uh, you know, tank his head, um, you know, guys uh, over there, headbangers, Jim Coach uh, Barry Hunter and uh, Patrick Harris uh, alongside, you know, his, uh, you know, guy there, of course, with uh, Coach Calvin Ford. So he's got like a pretty much a fairly extended team uh, out there uh, for this fight. You know, in comparison to what he had against uh, Mario Barrios there when he won the version of a, a super lightweight title at the end of June of this year. So do have that. And then I'm also looking to see here with this uh, fight between Sebastian Fandora and Sergio Garcia, 154 pounds. That's going to be a good, good one, a good one there. Uh, and then also Sergey Derevianchenko against Carlos Adames in a, in a version of a – middleweight eliminator bout uh there for the wbc and i guess the winner will face uh jaime munguia since jaime munguia won't won't face uh demetrius andre for the wbo belt so i don't understand it man like he got a he got an opportunity to fight for a world title and and, and jaime munguia says you know what you know i'm i'm good i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna face uh i'm gonna face the winner of <laughs> of Derevianchenko versus Adamas, especially if it's Derevianchenko, just so I could fight for another title. Like, uh, man, I don't understand it, man. I don't understand it. it it's crazy with me, man. Um, But, you know, uh, any, any thoughts on the thing with Tank? Of course, he could have fought Roley. Mm, Roley had his little issues, so now it's Isak Cruz. So probably going to be a different type of fight. Uh, Isak Cruz is going to, you know, be in there to try to, you know, have, try to cause a few problems there for Tank Davis. But, you know, Tank Davis being uh, one of the most exciting fighters out there in the sport, you know, I think he's going to look into try to get another stop his victory there for, uh, you know, this instance. So uh, any thoughts on uh, what, what um, Tank Davis is going up against with Isak Cruz? Hey, Mike, uh, you, you expecting something out of uh, Tank Davis here? I guess not. Because <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. Maybe. maybe Mike, Mike, uh, wake up. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. You know, maybe Mike sleep or something like that, man. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. He might not watch the fight. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, but uh, I don't know. I think this card, you know, hopefully this card will be like the other one. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. I think he dropped off. Uh, I think uh, this card might might end up being like the last card that uh they had over in Atlanta. You might be able to get a few uh, stoppage uh, victories in there. Um, also, you know, we're gonna have the thing for um, of course, our guy uh, there. Jaleel Major Hackett will be part of that card as well. So uh, that we'll be able to get more details on that as far as like who his opponent is. But uh, for those that haven't uh, done so already, we had like uh, had like an extended conversation with uh, Jaleel Hackett uh, with his uh, father and trainer, Coach Bernard Hackett, and uh, his strength and conditioning coach, uh, Coach Zoe. Uh, so y'all could go on the YouTube channel and uh, check that out. It's a very good conversation that I had with them as well. But, um, yeah, thing with uh, Tank Davis, uh, they're going up against Eastside Cruz. And, 
you know, if 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 uh, people saw the thing there with the all access uh, for uh, Gravante Davis and Isak Cruz, uh, you see that you know, you know, in, in a way, you know, Tank was kind of disappointed that it wasn't going to be, um, you know, it wasn't going to be Roly Romero, that was going to be his his opponent. Uh, but he knows that you know he still has a task uh, there with uh, Isak Cruz. And like I said, there's a lot of possibilities out there for Tank Davis at 135 pounds in 2022. So uh, he and he's seen what has happened uh, there with, uh, you know, Teofimo Lopez. So yeah, I don't think uh, these guys here at uh, 130, you know, 135 are going to be, you know, messing around now. I mean, I think with uh, what George Cambosis was able to do, that should be able to send a message to everybody. Uh, that's out there in the 135 pound division that seems like that they're highly favored uh to win their bouts against their opponents that they cannot they cannot overlook their opponent you know but i i know that most of these other guys ain't really been bsing around anywhere near the level of what you know teofimo lopez is doing so i think you're gonna get uh, you know, uh, uh, b uh, better uh, performance out of those guys uh, that have their main events uh, next week. So uh, Devin Haney, you know, I think, you know, pretty much got the message there, what, what happened uh, on Saturday. And I think Tank Davis got a message of what happened there with uh, Teofimo Lopez. And I think they're going to try to be out there to send a message that they're not, you know, here to play around. Uh, with, with their opponents, and they're not going to overlook their opponents. So that's what I'm looking at here for uh, those fights that are coming up on Saturday in Las Vegas and Sunday at the, for now, the Staples Center in Los Angeles there. So, I mean, that's how I got on that. Uh, uh, I think Mike's back <laughs> in a way. Uh, didn't know what happened. Uh, Mike, you had any thoughts on the thing with, uh, you know, um, Tank Davis? Uh, there because he had like some on Devin Haney, but he didn't really say something on uh, Tank Davis uh, with his fight coming up against Eastside Cruz. I mean, I think I think it should be an exciting fight while it lasts. One thing that you gotta say from looking at Cruz's style, previous performance, temperament is that. Poverty and, and like coming from environments that <clears throat> that that you don't have it your way all the time and, and you know you gotta endure, whether it's a family endurance or whatever, you gotta give it to people who who, who have to endure because they fight like they like they don't wanna go back to that place anymore. And you know, I, I have a lot of respect for whether it's a it's a hood, whether it's a ghetto, whether it's a slum, you know, whatever it is, you know, where people you can tell they fight for something. Like Cambosis, I, I you can't tell where he's from, but you know, it might have been just pride. But what I what I'm saying, I, I can tell Cruz fight like, you know, like he he his family is leaning on him. Even if it may even not be like that. And then, you know, you got to respect that. He going to get knocked out, but um, you, you can't knock the hustle of, of a man who tries 
And so even just me watching his his past fights and 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 just seeing how he prepares and stuff, I respect the man already. You know, I gotta. I don't think he's gonna win, nor do I want him to win. You know, I um, I'm a fan of Tank, and you know the same thing I'm saying for Cruz. You gotta say for Tank, Tank. Obviously, getting to the point where he he's sleeping on silk pillows and stuff, but I, I just I think that his temperament is is gonna be a style that that ain't gonna let he ain't gonna pull no Tio Fimo Lopez in the ring. The thing that may get him is knock on wood. It'll never get him because he he prepares like a champion, but it'll be preparation for him. It wouldn't be no. It wouldn't be like mentality or or even yeah. go ahead somebody yeah, 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 yeah i just want to get in this because i'm about to leave out in a second but yeah i, I i've become a fan of tank over the last three or so fights since that gamboa fight i've seen the way he has become focused training hard and if you notice even last night he didn't say anything about the fight he didn't call out cambosis he didn't say nothing about T.O. Like everybody else clout chasing. Tank is focused, 100% locked in. I don't see this boy getting beat for a long time. He already had the skill was there, but now you add that with the preparation and the discipline, he's he's going to be a problem for a lot of these guys. And that's what's, that that I have I have slowly started becoming a fan of Tank since that since that Gamboa fight. Um, I as far as Cambosa's next fight. I want to see Devin Haney get the title. I think Devin Haney deserves it. I think the way they jerked him around, created whole new belts out of thin air, the way they played keep away from him. And nobody except for a few of us black fans called the BS out while all the media tried to justify the BS. They just made a new belt out of nowhere, out of thin air. So he wouldn't get his shot and they tried to play keep away with him. So yes, this is, this is karma. This is poetic justice. Hopefully that boy go in there. He should go in there and take care of JoJo with no problem. Uh, Devin, Devin is also one. He's always focused, always training. He, he he's locked in always. Uh, excuse me. And if they and if he does win, maybe they have it in Australia. You know, Cambosa, he uh, he deserves that. But Australia also got these weird COVID restrictions where for two weeks you got to be locked up in a room the size of a hotel room. So. I don't know how that's going to work as far as training. If you take your training camp there, but then it becomes so expensive because you got to move everybody out there, your training partners, your nutritionists, you know. Uh, Well, anyway, hopefully they can make that work. I'm really rooting for Devin this weekend, rooting for Tank this weekend, uh, rooting for uh, Luis Ortiz this weekend. And oh, that's uh, January 1st when he goes up against Charles. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Who, uh, who's on that uh, Tank undercard? Oh, uh, you got Sebastian Fundor against Sergio Garcia. You got Sergey Derivianchenko. Uh, oh there. yeah, against uh yeah, I, I'm rooting against for uh, Adamas. I'm rooting for Adamas. I want to see what he could do at middleweight. Yeah, Derivianchenko already fought everybody and proved he's not that great at middleweight. I mean, that's true that he's like middle of the road, just outside yeah. the top three at middleweight. So right. yeah, I'll be rooting for Adamas. That's all. That'll be a good uh, opponent for uh, Charlo. You know, that'll give him a legitimate opponent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And hopefully, did you see any Demetrius Andrade interviews from yesterday? <laughs> oh, man, I haven't seen them, man. 
we we'll cook on that another time. But man, that boy, he gotta he gotta come up with a plan. Like LB say all the time, which people need to listen. They don't care if they hate. Yeah. And like Jaleel Hackett's father mentioned in your interview with him, we have a plan for our fighters. Yep. A lot of fighters are out here without a plan. And was you in my space yesterday when uh Jake Paul's uh sparring partner came in there? Yeah, I was on there when he was on yeah. there. When he was talking about how he when he was fighting with Bellator, they really didn't have a plan for him. Right. Yep. Yeah. It's it's a lot. Not even just in boxing. It's a lot. These these combat athletes are uh uh meat to these promoters and these organizations. You have to get with a team that has a plan for you. From your promoter to your manager to your trainer. Y'all need to sit down, have a plan in place because a lot of these guys are going to get uh screwed away. All right. All right. All right, Mike, I'll holler at you. All right, I'll holler at you later, Jay. All right, All right good man. Yep. Yeah, so that was uh, Lefty there of uh, Chicken Talk, the leader of Chicken Talk on uh, Twitter. Uh, so y'all uh, look that up uh, if you can. We have, like, a whole lot of good conversations there on Twitter. Uh, that, you know, excludes Mr. Mike Grady because Mike Grady don't have a Twitter account. <laughs> so you'd be missing out on the conversations. Um, he, he did, uh, you know, for a brief time, did have Sean Porter on the Twitter spaces, uh, before Sean Porter had his, uh, podcast, uh, that, you know, happened, um, what was it? That was Tuesday, uh, last, uh, Tuesday. So, um, you get various, uh, you know, guests on, on, on that, uh, on that Twitter space, uh, there, you know. So y'all text, y'all be texting over Twitter. No, it's it's a conversation. It's like a live conversation like we're having, you know, right now over Twitter. They have a thing where they open it up for, you know, Twitter users to speak about different topics. So, uh, so it's an audio conversation. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. So, so, um, so, you know, if you're, you know, part of uh, uh, an extended, um, you know, friends group or followers group, uh, there you'll be able to see uh, that we'll be part of those conversations. So um, whenever you can, uh, see if you get on Twitter, listen in, and maybe you could uh, have a little take or so. But we always talk about, you know, what goes on in the sport of boxing. We also and we always talk about the fights and things like that. But it does, you know, go on for an extended period of time, and you could probably be up to as late as uh, 3.30 a.m. or 4.30 a.m. Eastern time, if you ain't careful. So, but, uh, you know, with that being said, um, that kind of like, uh, you know, does everything as far as like covering uh, what we need to cover uh, here. Like I said, you, you know, you got the uh, fights with, uh, you know, Devin Haney versus JoJo Diaz for the WBC lightweight title. Uh, you have uh, Gavante Davis versus uh, Isak Cruz. For you know that WBA regular uh, lightweight title uh, December fifth, so uh, and all the uh, fights that are going to be on the undercards, so uh, definitely uh, check that out if you can. Uh, of course, you know the uh, Tank Davis Isak Cruz fight is going to be on Showtime pay per view on Sunday night, so be sure to you know definitely uh, check that out. Um, you know, with that being said, that kind of like ends this particular episode. Other boxing source radio show. At least you know it was a more controlled version 
of the Boxing Source Radio Show. We didn't have that many arguments uh, here, so to speak. So it was a little bit more team uh, for you listeners here. Uh, but thank everybody that was able to join in. Uh, YSM Sports Media, of course, my guy Jamil out of Philadelphia, Mr. Mike Grady uh, coming out of Atlanta, and of course, uh, Lefty of uh, the leader of Chicken Talk uh, coming out there from the Ohio area uh, by way of Michigan. But uh, like I say at the end of every show, folks, corner boxing is a hit, not get hit, not to send and trade. On that note, folks, I'm out. Have a good evening, everybody. <laughs>